Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You say, well, I don't believe in this stuff. Then let me just say this kindly to you. You don't believe in the Bible. Because one-third of the angels that fell with Satan were demons who are active in this world. That's why Jesus would say to those demons, come out. Now, I don't want to be in a world where that power to come out has nothing to do with tongues. I don't want to be in a world where that power to cast out demons is gone with the apostles. Because if the power is gone with the apostles and the demons are still here, my friends, we're in trouble. Our modern, secular society poo-poos any thought of the supernatural as unenlightened and archaic. Unfortunately, the Church of Jesus too often stands right alongside the world in this elevation of the seen world over the unseen world. Pastor Mark will be teaching today that for Christ followers to hold this opinion is to go against the clear teaching of Scripture. You'll hear about the necessity for the Christ follower to not only acknowledge the spiritual world, but to make use of the spiritual gifts God's provided for you. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 as he continues his message, Tongues and Prophecy. If the most prolific writer in the Bible says, I speak with tongues more than you why would you call that weird? No, it's a gift. It's a wonderful gift. And you're seeing, it builds me up. Number two, it helps me pray. And there's another one coming. So what does it mean, I will? It just means that in your quiet time, you're just going to ask God, God, I want that gift. Now, if you say, God, if you want the gift, just overtake me and make me speak in tongues. It will never happen because it's your mouth with the Spirit giving you the ability to do it. And you just do it privately. When I was in pharmacy school, I had a wonderful friend, Zach. He was in my pharmacy program with me, and he was a Methodist. And we had a lot of good talks. We were in InterVarsity, and I taught in InterVarsity in college and stuff. And one morning he came to me, and he said, uh, I prayed by my bed last night. For God just to fill me with the Spirit and do whatever he wanted. And he says, I started to pray these things that I didn't know what I was praying. Did I lose my mind or what? I said, no, you just were filled with the Spirit. He said, really? He didn't even know. What do you think happened on the day of Pentecost? 120 in upper room, they're expecting what? To be filled. Are they waiting for the wind to come through? Did Jesus say, wait for the wind to come through? No. Did you say, what's that fire like on top? You had a fire in you. Well, you too. Did Jesus say, wait for the fire to come on your head? Did Jesus say, you'll know you'll be filled when you start speaking to other tongues? Huh? 
No, they didn't know anything. They just submitted themselves, and the Spirit gave them the ability to speak. So I'm going to challenge you in your private time, if you want that wonderful gift, just pray for it. But again, we're going to use it in balance. We're not out of focus here. You don't see anything out of focus in our church. We're not weird. We would never be that way because it detracts from God. It is just one blessing of many blessings. Now, let me just say to you, when you look at Acts 2.4, it says this. All of them were filled. Just listen. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. He just helps you with faith. He isn't taking your tongue. And you, we used to have these people just say, you know, Jesus loves you five times really fast and you'll speak in tongues. It's foolishness. And I believe when you speak, you will speak. Okay? So he doesn't take over our tongues. He enables us. It's available to every single person that wants the gift and believes in the gift. Now, look at verse 15. Again. What shall I do? I will pray with my spirit. I will pray also with my mind. I will sing with my spirit. But I also sing with my mind. Notice Paul uses tongues privately for not only praying, but again, singing and praising God. Now, verse 16. Here's where he corrects the church. Now, if you're praising God with your spirit, again, tongues is to God, not to man. If you're praising God with your spirit, how can one who finds himself among those who do not understand say, Amen, to your thanksgiving? Since he does not know what you are saying. You may be giving thanks well enough, i.e. to God, but the other man is not edified or strengthened. So notice, praising God and giving thanks. That's another part of the gift. I'm not only built up, but I can pray to God when I need to know the will of God. I just don't know what to pray. But I can also praise God and give thanks to God. I just don't know how to put it in words, and I just use it. So the function is to communicate with God and not with man. Let me show you what Paul is saying. I think this will make sense to you. I'm going to make a statement. And if you agree with this statement, when I'm done, I want you to say, Amen. If you believe this is true, I want you to say amen. God is a good, faithful God. Amen. Okay. Wonderful. Now, what's Paul saying? Unless somebody has the gift of interpretation. If I said that in, in a language that nobody here knows, what would have happened after I said that? Nothing. You're going to turn to your neighbor as, he needed more sleep from the trip from India. <laughs> So watch this. No person in the congregation can say amen unless they what? Understand what was just being said. So what is Paul saying by that? Paul's conclusion is there is a place for prayer and worship that is direct expression in tongues. But it should be done alone. It should be done never with unbelievers, those uninformed about the gift of tongues. There should be a place where it's best to pray, sing, and worship in a way that's the intellect is the vehicle of that praise. Now we come to verse 18 again. We already read it, but I want you to see it again. So Paul is emphasizing the balance and the need and the benefits of. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. This isn't new to Christianity. Look what Jesus said in Mark 16. 
And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. I'll speak about that in a moment. They will speak in new tongues. When I was talking with Dr. KP in the Gospel for Asia, I was teaching 425 students. When they go to a village, and I said, how in the world? You go to a village, a thousand people, they're Hindu, they don't believe in God, probably never even heard of God, never heard of Jesus for sure. How in the world does a church get started? There's no other church. They're just Hindus. He said, usually it started because there's demons in many of the people and children. And once the demon is cast out, these people realize, I'm a different person. How did that happen? And then they explain to them, there's a power greater than Satan and evil doctrine. And his name is God. And had a son named Jesus. And the one that just freed you from the demon was Jesus. Because greater is he than that person that was binding you and possessing you. That's how most of the churches get stuck. Who gives me goosebumps thinking about it? See, we over here go, yeah, demons, yeah, I'm demons. I haven't seen a demon too much lately. Throughout the world, it's a huge problem. We have a whole team in Haiti, a mission team in Haiti, a medical team in Haiti. I guarantee you they will find demons. They're prevalent all over Haiti. You say, well, I don't believe in that stuff. Then let me just say this kindly to you. You don't believe in the Bible. Because one-third of the angels that fell with Satan were demons who are active in this world. That's why Jesus would say to those demons, come out. Now, I don't want to be in a world where that power to come out has nothing to do with tongues. I don't want to be in a world where that power to cast out demons is gone with the apostles. Because if the power is gone with the apostles and the demons are still here, my friends, we're in trouble. So there is power in the name of Jesus. We're not weird, but we're biblical. Satan either abuses it or denies it. Of course he's going to deny it. And he abuses it with weirdness. Now, how are you going to bypass verse 18? Many people bypass it. Well, you can't bypass it. They want to eliminate it. But Paul says he uses the private gift of tongues for praising, for praying, even for singing. Earlier, Paul said he desired every Christ follower, early in the chapter, every Christ follower to use his personal gift often. So let me just write a seal of thing. I won't spend time because he got more to finish. I'm not going to answer the question for you, but here it is. Paul considered the gift of tongues as an essential important part of his spiritual life. Do you? We're not ever going to be known and this is why Paul is addressing it, as the church unminted that speaks in tongues. You'd be surprised at the thousands of people that already have that gift. You've never heard it once. It's a private gift. It's a wonderful gift. What do we want to be known for? Jesus. Jesus. Most of you have never heard me teaching this until the last time we were in Corinthians, right? But it's important. Paul says, I wish, I desire. So we're not going to bypass it. But we're not going to make this our main statement of faith. Lord, help us. Paul addresses it because there's abuse. Now, look at verse 19. Verse 18. I speak with tongues more than y'all. But watch what he says. Here's the clarifier. But in the church. Say it with me. But in the church, I would rather speak 
Five intelligible words. What does he mean by intelligible words? The same language that you're listening. (laughs) Five intelligible words to instruct others, then 10,000 words in a tongue. Now, why does he exaggerate like that? Because they were abusing it. It was a horrible abuse. So Paul says, look, don't take that which is real and throw it out. Get back in line. Wrong place, wrong time. He just simply clarifies, in a public service, where there's believers and unbelievers, Paul wants to focus on the speaking words all the people understood. In his private life, Paul used this prayer and devotional language. Now verse 20. Brothers, now here's the part I'd like to skip and just not explain it to you. Verse 20. Brothers, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. But in your thinking, be adults. In other words, realize spiritual warfare, unbalance, all these kind of things. Now here's the part that's going to be confusing. In the law it is written, Through men of strange tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. But even they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Then verse 22. Tongues then are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. Now, this seems very confusing, if you just read the verses we read in context. It seems like Paul is saying tongues is assigned to unbelievers, but when you think about that, look at verse 23. He's going to say exactly the opposite thing. Look at verse 23. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Say yes. (laughs) They're going to think you're totally crazy. So what is Paul saying? Let me give it to you very quickly. Number one, I really don't know. And I'm not the only one that doesn't know. There's at least four, sometimes five different beliefs about what this verse means. But no real commentator, all kinds of commentators, have an understanding for this totally. I have one. I think it fits, but I'm not sure yet. So does it bother me that I don't know? We see through darkly. There's lots of things I don't know. When you begin your Christian walk, you will not ever understand anything. If you were, you'd be God. So all I know is that what I need to understand, God helps me understand. Amen? So when I come to something I don't know, you've heard me say this many years. When I come to something I don't know, I always go back to something I do know. So here's an explanation. You can take it or leave it. Or if you happen to have a a wisdom from God, send me an email. Who knows? By the way, Pastor Chuck always said, I don't know what this means. So I'm in good company. He's in heaven tonight. He knows what it means. Chuck. Okay, here we go. (laughs) The passage... That Paul is quoting is from Isaiah in verse 21. And what happened in Isaiah was this. The people of Israel turned their back on God. They backslid. And the prophet says, judgment's coming to you. What he meant by that is, and we know it in the word, there was a Assyrian army that's coming, and they were going to speak foreign languages they came in to take them over. Well, the Israelites didn't understand their language. And he says, because you didn't understand their language... It was a judgment to you, you unbelievers in God. You say you believe God, but you disobey God. So it was an example of judgment to the Israelites. Paul says that speaking in tongues is for the unbelievers. Who's the unbelievers? 
Here's the explanation. They're not the lost. They're backslidden people of God. Could it be that the unbelievers that Paul speaks about are these backsliders that have taken the supernatural things of God and left them aside? You know, Paul speaks about that later. They have a form of religion, but they deny the power of God. So some people believe that Paul is speaking about people who basically are saying there's no such thing as tongues or this gift of prophecy or any of these gifts that you're talking about. They don't believe in those powers. So Paul says they don't believe in the gifts. Indeed, they are still valid because tongues are a sign of judgment to you. When you hear somebody speaking in a language they don't know, and all of a sudden it's spoken to God, and there's a sense that the Spirit says to them, that was real. You need to get your life right with God. Get back to believing in the power of God. Now, we have a kind of a picture of that. In one of the five cases where people were filled with the Spirit in the New Testament, in the book of Acts 5, three of them I already said to you, the initial evidence for them initially was tongues and prophecy. And Paul, we don't have a sign when he was filled. Remember, Paul was transformed And blinded, didn't eat for three days. And God went to Ananias and he said, Ananias, I want you to go and pray for Paul. Pray that he be healed, his blindness be gone. And pray that he will be filled with the Spirit after his salvation. And then what does Paul tell us later? I'm glad that I speak with tongues more than you all. But here's an incident. Look at this and I'll explain it to you. Peter goes back to the Jewish Christians and he says, look... I was with these Samaritan people, Cornelius, and I was preaching, and he says it, and they were filled with the Spirit. So he explains it to the Jewish people. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, Jews, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So see, here were Christian believers, Jewish, who never thought the Gentiles would be entered into. There's no way they're part of the kingdom. But now what are they going to do? They were unbelievers. So tongues to them was a sign of what? That God was real. Interesting, isn't it? So it's one. We'll go on from that. That's not the focus of where we're at. Now, let's look at verse 25. Well, let's look at verse 24 and read it together. But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all. And the secret of his hearts will be laid bare so he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. So what does that mean? What is prophecy? Remember, let's go back. When a prophecy is given, by the way, often when I'm speaking, I'm prophesying. Many of you that come from a Pentecostal background say, well, the spirit isn't really operating in this church. How dare you? You don't know it because I say lots of things that are not in my notes. That God gives me direction as I'm speaking. So what is he saying? When a person prophesies, and I'll prophesy as I'm speaking the word of God. Of course, the word of God and the message of God, all those things have to agree with the word of God. When I'm doing that, I've had through the years, and you understand it. People come at the end of a service and say, how did you know? I said, how did I know what? You spoke right to what? You used an example. Didn't my wife tell you? 
My friend invited me. Did they tell you who I was and look for you? I said, I don't even know who you are, and I don't know what you're talking about. By the way, did the spirit know? Yes, he did know. And when they go there, they go, there's no way that guy, that guy doesn't know me. How did he just say what that, that, there's no way. That's the spirit saying, you, I'm real. The things of God are real. They're supernatural. Don't minimize it. And that person gets saved. That's why Paul says, 1 Corinthians 14, I'd rather see you prophesy than speak in tongues. Unless there's an interpreter. In a big setting, it won't work. So prophecy is speaking from God to who? Come on, come on. Now come. God to man. So when, when I'm speaking those words, and other pastors are speaking those words, and God uses that, it's God speaking to people. And they bow down and say, there's something in this church. God must be real. So understand, that's the benefit of that prophecy because it speaks to us. Now, Never deny or dilute the supernatural power of God in our lives. By the way, the greatest example of supernatural power is not the gifts. The greatest example of the supernatural power of God is that you're a Christian and I'm a Christian. There's no way God could take who we were and change us into what we're being, except supernaturally. Everything that Jesus did He did through the power of the Spirit. Now, you're here. If you're confused, you can talk to me later, whatever. If you don't believe in any of this, that's fine. This is not the focus of our church. But I challenge you, be teachable. We'll never let this divide a church. We have the tongue speakers over here. We have the prophecy speakers over here. In the middle, they're just church attenders. So there you are, right here. (laughs) No way. Understand, when we're in the kingdom of God... There's some core values that nobody is going to change. The Word of God, Jesus, the Bible's all true. There's a second coming. That's our main focus. There's a lot of side issues. Do you sprinkle? Do you you immerse? Whatever. Pre-trib, mid-trib, no-trib. Who cares? Heaven and hell? Never going to... You believe in heaven and hell? Yeah, that's that's an unnegotiable one. That's not moving. Amen? So don't worry, there's always ease. That's why we have 5,487,000,000 churches. Because everybody's got one of these little issues, and pretty soon we divide. And when we divide, half the time we don't even know what we divided over. And God just wants to unify us. So what was Paul doing to the church of Corinth? Trying to bring them back into where? Balance. Don't neglect the things of the Spirit. Never abuse the things of the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God fill us. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the misuses of the spiritual gifts that were happening in the Corinthian church. You also heard the Apostle Paul's instruction to them, trying to get them to become more orderly in their church gatherings. You learned how the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit can and should be used to foster growth and maturity in the local church. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. 
feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Well, this winds up Pastor Mark's teaching, Tongues and Prophecy. Next time, he'll begin a new message called A Brand New Body. Yes! Pastor Mark will share how the Apostle Paul dealt with questions regarding the afterlife and what that means for the Christ follower. You'll hear what the Bible has to say about what happens to your physical body when you die and what it has to do with heaven. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast from all of the production team here at Lessons for Living. We want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a herd